This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A game of two halves sees City across the line in the end at Goodison. A gutsy win and a turn corner or another false dawn for Pep and co. It's that time between Christmas and New Year where I really have no clue what date it is. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Ollie Kirsch. I'm Alex Michelle. And this is the City Reports Podcast. It's here for Gundogan! It is a thrilling start for Manchester City! The fastest ever goal in an FA Cup final. 2023 is the City treble year. Champions of England, FA Cup winners, and now, at last, Champions of Europe... Manchester City are kings of Europe. Now they have their triple crown. Well, compliments of the season to you all, including those two in front of me. Ali, the last time we met, it, um, it, it went a bit rogue. I <laughs> promise listeners, those who listened to the festive special, those who didn't listen to the festive special, or those who switched off about two minutes into the festive special, we will speak about football and only football. But have you had a nice couple of days with the family and co? Um, I certainly have. It's nice to get back in the in the swing of things. I have, despite your failure to wish me a Merry Christmas. I did indeed Look. have a Merry Christmas <laughs> and I hope you did too. And you as well, Alex. It's been a nice couple of days filled with food, booze and uh, just lots of chill time really, which is always a pleasure. Look, I said the lawyers would be in touch. I'm not <laughs> legally allowed to speak about this situation, so we'll leave it until uh, the courts get hold of it. Um, Alex, uh, compliments of the season to you. Happy holidays. Yeah, thank you. You as well. Had a great time with the family this past weekend. And yeah, now back home. Bit disappointed I didn't get to watch the city match with my uh, my city-loving aunt because our, our vacation got cut short just before. But hey, what can you do? We got city football today and we got a great win out of it three points is the only present I guess most of us could have asked for after a bumpy couple of weeks. Um, right, okay, we'll get right into it then. 
usual listeners will know we don't usually do it chronologically. Um, not that there's anything wrong with doing it chronologically, but I feel like today is a really good time to do things chronologically in terms of reviewing that game because Game of Two Halves, as I alluded to, it certainly was. Um, Ollie, what were you thinking at halftime? 1-0 down, again 1-0 down. Um, that feels like it has to be stressed. It's happening quite a lot uh, so far this season. But I was sort of sat there, personally speaking anyway, going, okay, sometimes it isn't your year. That's absolutely fine. Come the end of it, of, of, as we know, City are well and truly back in the title race. How long that will last, I don't personally know. But it feels like it is another example of what is turning out to be quite a batshit crazy season for City. Yeah, it, it was. I think every contributor uh, was pretty much along the same lines as us. You know, I, I personally said... I cannot see where or how we get three points today. You were saying, you know, maybe that's just how it is this mm. season. It's it's just I, I Adam said there the, is no chance we'll score two goals. Yeah, so, Adam said that. Uh, Everyone was kind of saying a variation of these incredibly negative things. And to be honest, this season that isn't you know, that that's not so outrageous. It's not like we've been mm. the all-conquering city of the back end of last season. This is a freak result. Uh, the only one to say any different was the ever optimistic David Powell so hats off to him he actually said at half time this will be 3-1 City mm. so well done to him um, I think he had too much Christmas boost to be honest but you know well, he yeah, did get that, it correct that's it as well this time of year you don't know if it's uh, you don't know who you're speaking to but no it, 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 it was that first half was just one of those things where it was like we were good we weren't that good we probably can't complain about being behind Um I, I think some of the decision-making in the lead-up to their goal was uh, almost symptomatic of how... Almost symptomatic of why we are not... And I'm sure we'll get on to the clean sheet matter a little bit later, but I think the first goal was symptomatic of why we are not keeping clean sheets, i.e. moments of madness, small bad decisions. Um, the three that I pointed out were Akanji, Bernardo and Rodri. All three of them had the opportunity to put the ball out of play and just reset. Mm. All three of them persisted with trying to keep it in play and play out. And listen, I've got no problem with that. I can't criticise that. That is what City are built on. That's part of what makes us and has made us so great. But there are some instances where we're a bit disjointed. It's getting a bit scrappy. The opposition are pressing us high. They've spotted that opportunity. Just boot the fucking thing. Get rid. Yeah. Get just yeah. seriously. Nice just get rid of this. Yeah, and that that was one of those moments. Um, we didn't. We persisted with our intentions play out. And those three players, Akanji, Bernardo, Rodri, all lost the ball uh, one after the other. And it ended in a pretty damn clear-cut chance for Everton. I don't think anyone was really complaining about that goal. So mm. there we go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and you you fast forwarded to the sort of the real first talking point. Bar Nunes' chance, which he you know he, he probably should score. I don't necessarily think it was as much of a sitter as other people have dubbed it. You know, he's he's fa- he's not he's not what his job is to do. Basically, if it's Harland, then you're saying yes, he should certainly score. But Nunes probably should have scored anyway. Um, Everton get the chance to take a one 0 lead, and that's what they do. And, and maybe a lesson in being clinical more than anything, Alex. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm looking at it and every single game it seems like City are conceding their first shot on target and I mean literally in some cases every single game City are conceding their first shot on target but every single time I look at it and I'm like okay bar absolute brain farts like Bernardo Silva and Rodri two of your best players in a treble winning season giving it away in completely unceremonious circumstances like stuff we've never really seen them do in a City shirt 
bar Bernardo like seven days ago whenever he did it last against Palace. But, you know, you get the point. And it's just like, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm stuck between these two schools of thought where it's like, it's completely inexcusable, poor, complacent, terrible football. And it's just a little bit of bad luck. Are you going to tell me it's somewhere in the middle? Do you think, Alex? <laughs> like I usually do. No. Yeah. yeah. I, I think for me, with this one in particular, I think you have sort of the out to say that Roger wasn't at full strength today in terms of his fitness. Mm, yeah. And I think that's a decent excuse. I, I think I would almost more so point to when Roger tries to play that pass back, Akanji has like a second where his brain just like seems like it's switched off. And then he reacts like, oh shit, the ball's coming past me. Mm. And he reacts way too slow. And I, I think Ali, like as you named, like it was Akanji first, then out to Bernardo. It was sort of just, they're in their heads for a second there. And <laughs> sort of as you guys were trying to break down, it's, you know, is that the philosophy of how we play? Or is this just a moment where you decide just boot the fucking ball away? I don't really know. It's a tough one to, to say there. And I, I certainly would lean more on the side that, you know, that is how we play typically when we are at our best, you know, that type of thing doesn't happen. Even when you get into that situation, when Roger has the ball right in that exact moment, eventually we find a way to get the ball out. I think there was just a sort of lapse in concentration there. And yeah, I think you sort of just, it comes with the territory of how we play. And I would say personally, and Ali, maybe you sounded a bit more negative than you were intending to be, but I think that first half was one of the best that we've seen in recent times from us, generally speaking, looking at it Mm. together. It, It looked like city football and, I think we we turned a corner around around the Luton match. Of course, there have been easier opponents since then, but it now feels like we're back to playing City football. And yes, we had that one mistake, but aside from that, I felt like it was a great performance that first half. It's interesting you say that because the first uh, what what did Everton score on? Uh, bang on half an hour, and it felt like the first what twenty nine minutes was was brilliant football, and City really should have been ahead. They didn't really create too much, but going to Goodison Park. Um, neutralizing that atmosphere, it, you know, it is a really hostile place to go. It isn't. It's a cliche, but it isn't a nice place to play football. And then after that, that that goal though, Ollie, my my worry with City this season, and I made the comment at the time, is I don't I don't know if we've reacted well to goals this season when they've conceded because I think in the past and and we've seen it multiple times, a goal will go in, City will be the better team, we'll concede, we'll go oh shit, we're one nil down, it's okay, you still expect City to win. But even still, it felt like City were really shaky in that 10 minutes after mm. the goal. And I don't know if it's a mentality issue, I don't know if it's sort of um, a treble hangover like many things have been this season, but that's the one gripe I think I had from that first half. We went we went against the runner play and conceded a goal, but then after that it felt like we were a little bit shaky and it could have easily been 2-0 and in the past it has been 2-0 and at that point you go in, okay, we're trying to salvage a draw as opposed to salvaging a win. Yeah, it, it, listen. These two, these things together make up why it may have. I, I may have sounded negative, um, and I was as negative. I did sound as negative as I intended to be, Alex, um, because going through the gears and playing how we play hasn't been the problem this season. I don't think we've we've had many many episodes this season already, and we're not even in twenty twenty four yet, where we've jumped on here and we've said we actually played really well, but. We conceded goals in moments of madness. We lost our heads and reacted badly after conceding a goal or we've just not been clinical enough up top. Generally, the the, the ball getting from point A to point B, i.e. from the back to the front, has been okay. The problem has been beyond the back line or beyond the front line, i.e. putting it in or preventing it going into our net slash their net. That's been the main issue and I think that was 
threatening at half time to be a repeat of that pattern in that mm. we weren't clinical enough. We didn't prevent the first shot on target going in. And to top it all off, we've reacted badly to the goal and it looks like heads have gone. And I think on Rodri as well, there was a, a shot of him zoomed in not long after their goal went in. And I mean, he, 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 he looked, looked like he looked like an adolescent boy that had just had a three-day tantrum. Um, yeah. <laughs> like the redness and the... I don't know what the hell's going on with him. But, but you know, it, it was just one of those things where it was threatening to be a repeat of what we have seen many a time this season where, yes, mm. by and large, we are playing well, but we're failing to do the critical things which we're so used to doing with such ease over the last few seasons, whether it's shutting them out, whether it's putting the ball away one way or another at the other end. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to steal your thunder here, Amos, but I think this is leading us nicely on to uh, Phil Foden and the equaliser. Yes, it is. It, it will come. It will come, I promise, in the second half, much like the goal did. Um, I just want to read out this from our very own Alex Brotherton, who... who spoke about that that shot of Rodri that you, you alluded to there. Um, Rodri has the eyes of a man who's got the plague. He's either got the plague or came home from venue, which is a nightclub in Manchester, for everyone wondering, at six in the morning and woke up with a stranger in his bed. You moved out of uni hall six years ago, mate. You don't need to stay up all night drinking Tesco cider while you wait for your dealer to reply. And um, uh, Brilliant from Alex. Frosty uh, Jacks. In there. <laughs> yeah, a two liter bottle yeah. of Frosty Jacks. Yeah, I'm sure that hits home for, for many of you, but it does look like he is in a little bit of a rough period. Um, final moment from the first half, though, Alex, because it, it feels like, weirdly, and I have opinions on how the injury came about, and I'll share them in a minute, but it feels like, weirdly, the tide was stemmed for City in terms of Everton's positivity, Everton's pressing, Everton's threat to goal by City's best defender, or at least on the pitch, John Stones going off injured. Um, obviously, Gvardiol came on and we didn't really get to see the fruits of that until the second half. But what did you make of that change? Do you think it helps City in any way? Do you think it's another, well, it is another, obviously, bad moment for John Stones. But did, do you think it affected City in a way that allowed them to maybe go on and get the three points? I don't know. I mean, not necessarily, but I, I do think the the lack of a drop off is notable. I, I think we continued to keep the level up as we had in the first half, mm. going into the second half, and I, I think that's a big sort of tipping Vardial's cap. Is he gets a lot of slack recently in, in his start to life at City, and he probably shouldn't. And today, I thought he was really solid, and he came in and you know did what he needed to do, and you know the backline played pretty well in the second half, and we ended up getting all three points. And I, I think the bigger point for me here uh, on the stones front sort of is you know of course Akanji had to move into midfield afterwards and the biggest question that I've had is this system is so based around John Stones being fit because mm. he's that guy that can play the role where you step into midfield and play in a double pit with Rodri and Akanji has done that to mild success this season but he is definitely not the same player and you know I, I might need to go back and rewatch that second half where he played there today because I, I don't know I, I I don't know like how how big of a difference there, there is between them at the moment I think Akanji has been improving in it but I think the big question is does City and do Pep need to change the defensive system in order to accommodate the fact that John Stones is not available half the season mm. more or less uh, I think I think Stones has been unavailable for I, I did the research recently I want to say it's around 40 percent of the time in the past two and a half seasons, something like that. Wow. It's really crazy. And I don't know. It's just, it's just a really interesting conundrum here that 
you know, the system seems to be built around John Stone's availability. And at the same time, he's the player who, in the defense who is least available. So mm. I don't know. It's a weird one there. And when we're entering the run and entering a title race like this, you, you want that answer. You want to be able to have a system you can look at as a fan and think, you know, this is what I have faith in. And at the moment, we just don't have that. I mean, we got the results, uh, you know, against Everton. But is that going to happen every game if Akanji's playing in this role? I'm not so sure. It, it it's so weird. It's absolutely so weird, and I feel like John Stones made a deal with the devil at some point around March last season, where he's like, "Don't don't let me get injured now, and I will I will take seventy five percent of my future seasons out on the bench because I'm I'm just looking at transfer market now, and bar games where he was very obviously dropped and rested." He played every single game for City. I mean, apart from the Leipzig first leg um, in the knockouts of the Champions League, he played in every single knockout match and started every single knockout match and obviously got taken off in the final games. Into that was only the time. It was only the second time he got taken off in that, in that entire run. Um, the only games he didn't start in the Premier League were matches where it was rotated or just before a Champions League game or just after, etc., etc. So I, I it just, does feel I just, like... I just want to point out with Stones as well that it, 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 it's tragic. It really is because when he's so sad, it's so it, it, sad. His his fitness and his ability to play week in week out is the only thing preventing him getting some Ballon d'Or shouts. Even some shouts mm. of being kind of that that Beckenbauer hybrid defensive slash midfield uh, midfield maestro and all kinds. I mean, we were absolute the whole football world. That, that knows anything about anything with football was heaping praise on John Soames last season. Yeah. Be, you know, the, the, the way that he carried himself on that pitch, every single, he was absolutely out of this world. And it's sad because the, the only thing preventing those conversations being conversations that are had year in, year out in the football world are his ability to play every week. Um, mm. Injuries are robbing us of one of the most unique footballers of our generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think everyone I think everyone can agree with that, and it is it is really sad. Um, I know there's not much sentiment <laughs> in football, and, and there doesn't need to be, but it is really disappointing. Um, I just want to touch on them before we bounce for part two and speak about all the wonderful, lovely stuff that happened in that second half, the way the injury came about. Because I might be in a minority of one here, I might be in the, in a majority of a thousand, but I am sick and tired of linesman um flagging late for offsides and i understand i'm not saying that they, they need to do it and, and they don't need to do it whatever but the the fact that an, a player like john stones has got injured and he might have got injured two minutes later he might have done the same tackle and it would have been onside and it wouldn't have mattered however alex the fact that he's got injured making a tackle he doesn't need to make for me is a travesty because it's a rule that as soon as it was implemented people look at it and go oh that's going to cause a problem and guess what it's caused a problem and it's not fair and, and we speak about play welfare all the time on this podcast about how much games players are playing how much sort of toll is going on the body for me anyway i don't think it's fair that rule can be in place and players don't know whether or not it's offside. John Stones might have known it's offside and he might have backed out the tackle and Everton could have scored and it would have been gone back to VAR and it would have stood as a goal. I don't know. But for me anyway, I just don't think it's fair on the players that this this rule stands. I don't know why it stands, but I just don't think it's I just don't think it's right. Yeah, I hard disagree with you there, I have to say. Uh, because for Love me it. that's why we're here. That's why we're here. I think I think in blatant offsides positions where the linesman has, you know, ninety nine percent confidence that the player is offside, then then sure, I think like there maybe should be some discrepancy there. But for me, 
when I, when I watched that replay back, I forget who was on the far side, probably Ake playing at left back. Mm-hmm. It looked very, very close to being offside yeah, or not offside. And fair. I just think that if the script is flipped there and that's a city player, you know, going in offsides and the official raises their flag and then they finish it past the keeper and we see the replay and all of a sudden he was onside. It's like, it doesn't fix the situation in my opinion. It just makes, gives us something else to be angry at. And that's probably my biggest thing. I mean, for me, it's just, you know, it's football. These players are out there Mm -hmm. to play football. I don't think that there's anything, you know, extra in that challenge or them having to, you know, face those, those consequences, those scenarios. But I I get where you're coming from. And I do want to just for one second, really quickly go back on the stat that I threw out because the 40% was a a wild uh, (laughs) exaggeration. The 40, the 40 number that I had in my head was uh, over his career at city. He has missed on average 42 days of action per season. So quite notable, but I certainly exaggerated that with the initial figure. My memory served me poorly there. Yeah. Uh, fact checking your own facts. I, I love to see it. Um, yeah, I totally I take, go back to the uh, the point I made. I totally get where you're coming from. My issue is the fact that the assistant made the correct call and then had to renegade on that and a player got injured in the meantime. I don't know. If you ask me tomorrow, VAR gets scrapped, I'd say absolutely. Um, and I'm going to leave it there for part one before any of you get a right of reply. Uh, join us after this shot break as we speak about some of the wonderful stuff City did at Goodison Park. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season. And the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Um, okay, then, Phil, I'm not going to say his full name. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to say the line. But Phil Foden was pretty good against Everton, wasn't he, Ollie? Yeah. Um... Firstly, I just want to shout out a couple of pals that I watched this game with. One of them is also called Phil, two Reds, um, <laughs> Phil and Mikey. Um, I watched the game with them and it, it, the reactions were funny when, when Foden scored because <laughs> for United last night, when they or two nights ago for the listeners' purposes, when United beat Villa for them, that, that was... Uh, a moment of untold magic but then when they're watching City do it the, the, reaction, the initial reaction from them was oh here we go you know almost like it's expected that, that one way or another we find a way and it's good because we haven't been finding a way this season and I think part of that is down to how many times has Phil Foden listeners point at yourselves here we've all been guilty of it how many times have we all looked at Phil Foden and said why is he not being the man to take these kind of games by the scruff of the neck. We've had players like this in the past. Yaya Torre, notoriously, he was he was the fucking 
god of doing this. You know, taking a game yeah. that was going badly, not going in our favor, the, producing the moments, taking a game by the scruff of the neck. KDB does it. Haaland, to an extent, does it. We've had players like this, and it, it feels like that responsibility is sometimes expected of Phil Foden. And he doesn't often deliver. But tonight he did. Tonight he did. Pulling out a goal like that, and it wasn't the only one, by the way. I mean, he had one in the 90th off the post, another one, I think, in the 95th that was a a good save from Pickford. He found the old cliche, the traction. What was it? It felt like a traction (laughs) engine. Um, He found a different pair of shooting boots tonight, and it it was good to see um, because tonight I think he finally delivered on what so many of us wanted to see from Phil, which was turning a game around by himself. Obviously, there were, listen, there were others that contributed. Julian Alvarez especially um, was a massive contributor to the turnaround tonight. But Phil started it and he deserves all the credit in the world for that. I want to see more of it. I don't want to put unfair expectations on him, but I do want to see more of that uh, because we know he's good enough. Um, so Phil did two fantastic things today which people have been crying out for. One, he found his shooting boots. Um, and two, he... He, he, he took the game, he took the team, and he said, right, we're, we're getting our shit together here, and he, and he delivered. So absolutely delighted with him, and he, he deserved the man of the match. Yeah, yeah, it was looking um, looking a little bit bleak at halftime. It looks looking like a player needed to come on and, and do a Kevin De Bruyne-esque sort of performance where they do go and turn it on its head. And um, Alex, some numbers for you. Phil Foden versus Everton. One goal, three chances created, seven shots, 70 touches, three successful dribbles. That one was for all the people who say Phil Foden doesn't turn up in big moments, wasn't it? Yeah, and I have some some more numbers to throw right back at you. One of them, first of all, is the fact that he played in a center role today. And that was a big theme that we've seen this season. from Even preseason, from pretty much July when KDB was first injured, ever since we stopped talking, like the first weeks and moments since we stopped talking about winning the trouble, winning the Champions League, it turned to, is Phil Foden going to get a chance to play centrally this season? And mm. I just want to say... This season, Phil Foden has played in 11 games as a very clear central figure. He played in a lot of those games as the sort of hybrid role off the right, not counting those. In those 11 games, he has played through the center. 10 wins for City, one draw. The one draw being the 2-2 to Palace. Phil Foden has five goals and four assists and four Man of the Match awards. It is just <laughs> absurd. And to top things off, another stat you said, there's 70 touches today. In games where Phil Foden has more than 65 touches on the ball, uh, out of those central games in those eight games and, and now including today as well. Uh, so nine games, I guess he has six goals and three assists. So that's a goal contribution per game when you get him 65 plus touches on the ball centrally. And that may seem like a very, very sort of nitpicky stat, but in my opinion, it just boils down very simply is, you know, without Holland, without KDB, you get your best player. As Ollie was saying, you get your best player, you get him moments on the ball and you let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. Just want to yeah. say, I can hear Andrew Detmer crying into his pillow all the way from Indiana, USA. All these numbers <laughs> going back and forth. He's not on the podcast. 
yeah yeah is is a debt of a dream um yeah i mean we could we could sit here all day and we could speak about phil Foden. and i think every every single listener like you say ollie has wanted a little bit more at times and and, and hopefully hopefully this is this is the the turning point in terms of a season i remember ollie mccall going back to the newcastle game um at home at the start of the season said that felt like a coming of age performance for Foden, and it feels like he's aging every year but uh, every every week sorry but in in a good way in a sense that he's, he's sort of shouldering that responsibility the dynamic will be interesting to watch when Kevin De Bruyne comes back um that's something just sort of in the background maybe bubbling away we can address it when it comes but nights like that is is exactly what Phil Foden was born to do um we've got a couple more talking points before we get out of here including looking ahead to Sheffield United on Saturday because obviously reduced schedule festive season etc etc but I want to touch on the penalty it was it was a, a game of plenty of uh, moments and, and this is probably one of the biggest now um, Ollie, it, it felt like the only person who didn't think it was a penalty was the referee in in the middle at Goodison Park, and and maybe fifty thousand Everton, Arsenal, Liverpool supporters worldwide. I, I don't I don't know where the complaints are to be honest with you. Um, do I want the handball rule changing? Yes, under that ruling, would that have been given as a penalty? Probably not. But every single team in the Premier League this season will benefit from a handball like that, and tonight's was City's night, I guess. Rodri didn't think it was a penalty. <laughs> and Rodri doesn't have arms um, at Goodison his, Park especially <laughs> after his previous exploits against Everton um, yeah I mean it was it, it, it was a pen I, I don't even want us to spend more than a few seconds on this on this episode because <laughs> yeah. there's so much we can talk about it was a pen his hand is up the defender has to do one of two things in fact there's only one thing for the defender to do don't go down Stand up, stand up, yeah, make yourself bigger and put your up. arms by your sides or behind your back. Why he's gone down, I don't know. And mm. in the action of going down, his hands are flung up and it, it, it it's a pen. I, I, I don't, what do you want from me, people? It's, it's just a fucking <laughs> pen. Like, there's, not, yeah. there's nothing to discuss here. Everyone has or will, as you said, benefit from a decision like that because it's a pen. Mm, yeah, um, I, I totally agree. I mean, there, there'll be people who complain about it. There's been plenty of people who complain about it and, and say that, um, <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Um, but Alex, I, I don't, I don't know what you want to be given, and I, I could, I could have an, an entire podcast philosophical debate about penalties and what penalties mean and whether or not we should be awarding penalties for soft infringements within the box. But there's a gold, there's a gold bound shot heading towards the net. And we won't ever know if it was going to go in or not. That that's by the by. But it's a it's a shot going towards the net. And there's a player on the floor with a head with a hand which is at the angle they're at, um, adjacent to their head. I.e., it's in the air. And it is a little bit tucked in. Don't get me wrong, it isn't sprawled out, it isn't making a save. You know, it is I don't know if it's within this line of the body that, that people speak about. But like I took one look at it and went, okay, that's a penalty. Other people have taken 1,500 looks at it and, and tried to find a reason why it isn't. I, I don't understand that that line of thinking, to be honest. Yeah, I don't understand it either. I mean, I'm with Ollie here. It's a pen. Simple as. I don't have any more to say on it. I mean, you say, we, you say we don't know if it's goalbound, but there will right now be some some insane Arsenal fan about to publish a Twitter thread of 20 <laughs> different angles with trigonometry and ball velocities to work out whether or not it was goalbound. <laughs> it will happen. And somebody's yeah. going to tag the City Report pod when it when they do spot it, um, but it's just utterly irrelevant. It's you, you. You might have the argument to say the law is an ass, but according to the law, it is a pen. Um, mm. Hey, if you if you think the law on handball should be changed, listen, I'm with you. 
I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think there do yeah, just needs to be a serious review of it. Go but... stand outside the PGMOL offices <laughs> yeah. and protest or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, we get not... like PGMOL corrupt uh, pieces of paper we can go and hold out outside the offices like just saying boo, the Premier League. Just, just boo yeah. written on the paper. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, that was a very nice moment pre-match when uh, both both sets of fans were booing the Premier League anthem today. <laughs> Big love for that. Yeah, yeah. Who said solidarity in football is dead? Um, okay, I do want to speak about Sheffield United, but Alex, anything else you want to bring up about the Everton win? Um, I guess the final point, the sort of overarching point is, and it links into the Sheffield United game, but this cannot now just be one of those one-offs that's, that we've seen for City. It can't be another Luton where we're going a massive away win, horrible place to go, three points in the bag, go and play a bottom half of the table team on Saturday and drop points again. You know, we have to look back at the end of the season, don't we, and go, this is hopefully, fingers crossed, a season-defining win. Yeah, I think so. For me, it just feels that way. I don't necessarily know how to describe it other than that. It feels like there was somewhat of a page turn today. And yes, as Ollie was pointing out, there were rocky moments today you know you can point to the goal we conceded first but for me for us to you know withstand that and and come out of it with a 3-1 victory in doing it in the manner that we did with the performance from from Foden and and other players like that it it just seems like you know with KDB and Holland and Doku coming back soon it seems like you know this title race is is really ours to lose still in my opinion you know I think Mm -hmm. that's all it really boils down to I think Pep had comments after this today that he's going to keep reminding the boys that we are world champions, that there is a standard to maintain. And I feel like the sort of mentality questions that we've had over the past month or so, I think those are, are put at bay a bit, in my opinion. And I think mm. that's the biggest thing. I feel like this team is is on course to make another title charge, as we know the city team can. And you know, that's the most important thing. And yeah, it's just one step at a time. We, we move on to Sheffield United three points there move on to the next and so it goes from there mm, yeah um nicely put and and, and yeah um I, I think i can't remember which game it was we mentioned it but you 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 grow your own leaders in a sense like this time last year nobody thought Ilkay Gundogan would be the captain that he turned out to be and even going back you know Fernandinho at some points he was inheriting a role of Vincent Company I sorry before that David Silver and, and and then Vincent Company but I, I do feel like this this is a little bit of a transition season and the fact that City is still in the title race is is really beneficial 100%. it could go tits up it could go tits up. It might go to City's plan. Who knows? But if you're going to back a team to do it, then I guess it's always going to be City. Um, Ollie, let's fast forward a couple of days then. Um, Sheffield United, yeah, I know they said Sheffield Wednesday. That's going back a, a couple of decades. Mm. Um, Sheffield United at home, they are, well, they're, they're doing Shite. terribly. Let's put it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was being diplomatic. Um, <laughs> this screams 1-1, doesn't it, at full time? Surely not, surely no. not. No, 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 no. No, but no. it does though, doesn't it? Like, no. surely. No, no, no. It, but if any, if this season is anything to go by, it's 1-1 at full time. <laughs> no, because they're that bad. With all due respect, I mean, I'm being incredibly disrespectful, but with all due respect, I can possibly give them. With no. absolutely no um, respect at all. Yeah, no, <laughs> they're they're, 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 they are crap, particularly away. Um, I mean, I'm looking at some of their away results. They they've had the standard losses. You know, lost two on to Spurs. Fine, not not horrendous in the circumstances, but some of them they got beat five nil at Arsenal. They got beat five nil at Burnley. Listen, if we want today to be a game where we say we've turned a corner, the very best next fixture you can have to start building some momentum is Sheffield United at home. I don't think it stinks for one. I think we are going to 
beat them. I'm not going to say batter them because this is the Premier League and that doesn't always happen. I do think we will beat them. Um, but it's also a big one for the players, right? If they do want to have turned a corner, they have to soundly beat Sheffield United. If this is a scrappy game, if this is, this is a game that's in doubt, or as you say, negative Nancy, it's one all at the uh, <laughs> at full time, we ain't turned a corner and we ain't going to turn a corner. Um, I, I think this is almost more of a telling game for how the rest of the season is going to go than tonight was because now off the back of this win at Goodison Park, we've got to build the momentum. Uh, if we can't do that this weekend at home to what is most likely the worst team in the league at the moment, then it ain't going to happen at all. So uh, big game in, in many senses. Mm, yeah, the latest in a long line of must-win fixtures, it feels like, for City. I'm just looking at some odds now. I think it is nine 9-1 Sheffield United to get a draw, 25-1 to to get a win. So, look, if you want to spend your Christmas money off your grandma or granddad in, in a certain manner, I'm not going to, I'm not going to condone that, but uh, based off the, 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 the results so far this season for City, you might be in for a little bit of a profit. Let's hope not, Alex. But I, I think the overall point that I took away from the Everton game was... The Everton game was a really nasty hurdle City had to get over with three points. I think I'd have been coming on here if we hadn't have won going. Congratulations, Arsenal-Liverpool. Because it felt like it was, a, at half-time especially, it felt like a game that City um, really, really should have gone on to win. But just on the wider picture as well, City heading into now what is, I don't want to do any disrespect to any teams, but it, it's a run of fixtures where you're looking at it right up until, well, the reverse fixture against Everton on February the 10th that City are not only favourites, but overwhelming favourites in every single game. You've got Sheffield United, obviously, on Saturday, Huddersfield in the FA Cup third round. Um, Newcastle away is, is always a difficult one, but given their form at the moment, uh, you should expect City to, to at least challenge more than they did earlier on in the season at St. James's. Uh, Burnley at home, Brentford away, Everton at home on Feb 10th before the FCA Copenhagen game away. Um it just feels like that was the springboard for City and, and going up, up against Sheffield United on Saturday. It's a real chance for City to get a, a 3-0 or a 4-0 in my eyes and, and a confidence boost win, hopefully. Yeah, I think so. I think Ollie said it all really well. And I think the biggest point there to branch off of is there's a big difference between a 1-0 win against Sheffield United and a 3-0, 4-0, 5-0 win. And I think mm. for me, I would even break it down and go as far to say that today was, I think, more so for the players in a sense, more so for the players and the fans and the club in general that, you know, we've had a little rough run of form, but even in these tough games, even going against an opponent who has been on fire recently in the league, we're still going to come out on top and in pretty resounding fashion. I think now on Saturday, and then as, as you were pointing forwards to the match against Newcastle away, which I guess we're probably catching them at the best time you possibly can. This is the moment where the result is for the rest of the league, in a sense, where these are the statement wins now, where just as you both were saying, you know, 4-0, 5-0 win this coming weekend, that is a statement. Even against the worst team in the league, it's still a statement that City are at their indomitable best. And that's what we need to be seeing. And yeah, there, there may still be some, some questions to be asked if we don't see that, but I, I think the confidence has to be as high as ever, uh, at least as high, not as high as ever, as high as it has been in recent times. Let me rephrase that. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, named world champions on Friday, beat Everton. On what day are we? Uh, I'm led to believe Wednesday, although I'm not quite sure about that. The, the legitimacy of that, hopefully, go on and get another win on Saturday. Um, but chaps, we'll call it a day there. Ollie Kirsch, thank you very much. Um, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Pleasure as always. Alex, same again. Thank you very much. Yep, appreciate it. Happy New Year's, boys. Happy New Year to you too, listeners. Um, One more episode for us this side of 2023. A little bit of a New Year's roundup, or sorry, a 2023 roundup before we head into the New Year. So keep an eye out for that on your podcast feeds. But until then, it's been a pleasure. We'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.